Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Pet Place Radio Show. I'm Marie Hewitt, and I'm happy to have you here with us today on the fabulously entertaining weekend news talk lineup on 540 and 1260 AM, which includes Chef Jamie Gwynn, who follows us each Saturday at 11 AM. This morning, Diane Lee from the Reptile and Amphibian Rescue Network will be stopping by and talking about some very unusual critters that her organization cares for. And right after that, my favorite part, Marianne Dell, who is my partner in crime over at the Orange County Register, will be sharing her thoughts about some wonderful children's books about animals that she's recently reviewed. Great stuff ahead, so stay tuned, and we'll be right back on the Pet Place Radio Show here on AM 540 and 1260. You're listening to the Pet Place Radio Show here on AM 540 and 1260. I'm Marie Hewitt, and joining me now from an unusual organization called the Reptile and Amphibian Rescue Network, that's hard to say, is Diane Lee. Welcome, Diane. Good morning, and thanks for having me. I'm so glad you were able to come down here. You know, a lot of people um, aren't necessarily thrilled about uh, reptiles and amphibians. They think they're slimy and and scary, and, and there's just this innate fear that a lot of people have. Not me. I actually think they're quite wonderful, remarkable animals. But um, tell me a little bit about your organization, what you do. Oh, by the way, amphibians are slimy. Well, okay. And we're supposed to handle them minimally so we don't damage their skins. Okay. But, um, well, I did a lot of educational outreach, taking animals out to uh, open houses and environmental fairs and stuff for many years for um, one of the local reptile clubs. Okay. And along with other people who were doing this, we saw that there was a need when we talked to the public and they'd have something that was sick, and it was because they hadn't been told how to care for it in the beginning. Okay. And also because they often didn't know how to tell if it was sick. It really is hard to tell if um, a reptile is sick because they're not real active animals in the first place. And unless you're really familiar with the behavior patterns of, of reptiles and amphibians, you might not necessarily notice the, the warning right. signs that something's going on. Yeah, and there are specific warning signs, but when somebody says to me, how do you know that a snake, for instance, or a lizard is sick? And I said, well, how do you know the baby is sick? It throws up or it gets diarrhea or it starts acting differently, and mm-hmm. so do the snakes and lizards and turtles. Okay. And so your organization was, in the beginning then, providing educational resources for... No, we were doing that for another organization. Okay. And we formed this one because we saw the need, because of the work we were doing for one of the local reptile clubs. Okay. And um, at, at the time, we're, we're looking at just helping the adoption committees of the clubs when animals came in that the owners hadn't known were sick. But what we did find out was that there were lots of these animals in shelters. That That's actually true. I worked for an animal shelter for many years, and we did get quite a lot of um, 
snakes in particular who would end up at our facility, lots of iguanas also. And, um, and even though we did have uh, veterinary staff, it was always a little more difficult for them to deal with the reptiles. Mm -hmm. So were you then acting as a support for the animal shelters in, in this area where you would take some of these yes, sick animals the off sick their hands? Yes, injured animals. Actually, we have one man, John Holmes, who goes from, uh, he lives in North Hollywood, and he goes to various shelters, picks up animals when they call him, and decides whether they should go to the adoption committee of the club or if they should come to the network. Okay. All right, that's wonderful. So you've established a relationship then with a number of area shelters. Yes. So they know that they can call yes, and that exactly. that uh, RARN mm -hmm. uh, will come down and, and pick up the critters and get them the care that they need. And then later, do you try and find homes for them? Yes, we do. And how do you go about doing that? Um, well, through contacts. Because uh, we know people, you know, who are interested and just uh, not very, um, probably not as well as we should, okay. but it's working. Okay. Now, do you have any special events that, that the organization puts on where you might have a little adoption fair or an education fair or anything like that? That's what we're working towards, being able to do that. Okay. Now, right now, when these animals are picked up from shelters, where do they go? Um, they'll go to the home of a volunteer who okay. has the, the requisite um, equipage and knowledge. Okay, and does the volunteer need to be a member already of well, uh, a reptile or an amphibian uh, enthusiast group? No, we're, we're not a membership organization. Okay. And so it just has to be somebody that we're convinced is um, capable of caring for the animal and, of course, is honest and honorable. Okay. Do you have people every now and then that come that, that may not be the best <laughs> as far <laughs> as placing a, a, a foster animal with? Yes. Oh, well, that's uh, unfortunate. Yeah, hear. it's unfortunate, but John's pretty good at weeding them out. Oh, good. And there's only probably four or five of us that foster the animals until we find a home. Now, what would somebody do if they were interested in adopting one of these animals? Who would they contact? Well, they could contact Reptile and Amphibian Rescue Network. Okay. And the phone number is 310-815-1318. And Reptile and Amphibian Rescue Network, Post Office Box 25733, Los Angeles, Nine zero zero two five. You can email me. It's Diane hyphen Lee at PO Box dot com. That's D I A N E hyphen L E E at P O B O X dot com. And that's all lowercase. Okay. So for all of you out there who are interested in having um, one of these little uh, crawly or slimy or scaly <laughs> little pets. Uh, this is an excellent opportunity to rescue one who's really in need of a home. That's a fabulous thing. I'm so glad that you guys are doing this. Now, I understand you want to expand, you know, a little bit of your operation. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Well, we're just really working right now at sort of revitalizing and and rethinking exactly what we're going to do and how we're going to do it. The first thing that we really need to do is figure out fundraising. So if there's anybody who knows about fundraising and getting donations in and so forth, we'd really like to hear from that person out any of the um, addresses or phone number that I gave. 
You know, I think that's probably one of the biggest challenges that, that most rescue organizations face is fundraising because it is not cheap to provide veterinary care, especially for exotic animals. Now, do you guys work with veterinarians that kind of donate some of their services? We have, we have veterinarians that don't charge us for the office call. Okay. But we still have to pay for the lab tests, the x-rays, and medication. And those can get very, very expensive. Very, very expensive, yes. Now, now, how easy is it to treat a reptile? Do you have good success, you know, when they're sick? Or um, I know one of the big problems I used to see at the animal shelter were um, iguanas that were egg-bound, mm -hmm. and that was always a huge thing. What, what do you do in those cases? Well, we had... Um, one vet who would do surgeries for us because he was trying to learn about reptiles, and so he would do expensive surgeries free. Wow. And we had um, an instance where when we were called by a county shelter because the night before a man had been busted for drugs, and he had two turtles and 98 snakes on his property. Wow. <laughs> that must have been a surprise for the police officers who showed up there. <laughs> And so the vet happened to have seen me and gotten my card some months earlier, so she called me, and I went over and evaluated them for her and told her, the snake is dehydrated, he needs fluids, you know. Okay. And, and, and showed her, you know, where you inject it and about how much and so forth. And, but the... the um, It's, it's a big job. It is. It's a really big job. Uh, and one of the animals, we picked him up about two or three days later, and one was a little rosy boa, which is a snake that doesn't get redder and bigger than about three feet, and uh -huh. it's a California native. Mm -hmm. And um, it had, was not egg-bound, but it had babies that it had not gotten rid of. Oh, wow. And so we had a vet do a surgery. For us, as he said, he did it for free. Oh, that's very and nice. Which was very, very good. Now, are you expecting to develop a nice website pretty soon that people can come take a look at? Is that in the works? Yes, and it will be rarn.org. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for coming down and sharing this information about reptiles. It's always nice to know that there's people who are on the lookout for even the more unusual pets that end up homeless or in shelters that, that need help. And so I'm glad that people like you are out there doing that. We need to take a very quick break now. When I come back, I'll be chatting with Marianne Dell, who's got those wonderful children's book reviews. So stay tuned to the Pet Place Radio Show here on AM 540 and 1260. You're listening to the Pet Place Radio Show here on KGIL AM 540 and 1260. I'm Marie Hewitt, and with me now is the famous Marianne Dell. Hi, Marianne. Hi, Marie. I have been so looking forward to hearing about the books you've reviewed. Well, it's good to be back on the air and bringing some more books to everybody. Yeah, it's listeners. been a while. Yes, it has. You've had a very full plate lately. Well, it's been a busy year so far, and we're only into the third month. <laughs> Well, I've uh, taken a look at some of your titles, and they look really charming. Can can you go ahead and tell me a little bit about your first book? Absolutely. I just love this one. I saw it in a store, and I thought I read through it and thought, oh, my God, that's so perfect. It's called George Washington and the General's Dog, 
It's by Frank Murphy, illustrated by Richard Waltz, the publisher's Random House. It's very economical at three ninety nine, and it's for ages five to nine. Okay. And as we know, there have been an awful lot of books written about George Washington, our first president, who's often referred to as the father of our country. But this is a wonderful story. George Washington, it turns out, and this is true, it's a true story, he was a real dog lover. He really? had a lot of dogs at Mount Vernon. I had never heard that before. I hadn't either. Wow. And when he went to war to fight the British, he took his favorite dog, named Sweet Lips, Aww. with him. <laughs> I can't imagine George Washington naming a dog Sweet Lips. <laughs> it's pretty funny. But what happens during the fighting is a stray dog turns up in the American camp after a battle. Uh-oh. And the dog is wearing ID, always a good thing. Uh-huh. Even back in the 1700s, people knew to put ID on their dogs. At least some did. Wow. Well, it turns out the dog belongs to English General George Howe who, of course, is the enemy. (laughs) Yikes, so what happened to the poor dog? Well, George, being a dog lover, knows how important it is to return a dog to its owner, and he knew how much General Howe must be missing this dog, so he called for a truce so that they could return the dog. Wow. And they did just that. And this is a true story? And the book says it's a true story. Oh, this is great. I've never heard this, but that's just just wonderful animal trivia. I'm going to have to bring it up sometime at you know some party when nobody knows what to say. Did you hear about George Washington and his dogs? Are <laughs> Isn't so it cool. great? Yeah. And it's so wonderful to know that for some, and it even kind of reverberates today because now there's, I don't know if you've heard of Operation Baghdad Pups, but uh-huh. it's people trying to get the dogs that have been befriended and saved by our troops over in Iraq to come back to this country. I have heard about some of those home. stories. Yeah, they're really, really heart-wrenching and, and wonderful stories, too. Yep. That's and I, the, the love we have for our animals and the love we develop with animals is just so great, and it's wonderful to read and hear about these things where people are beginning more and more to acknowledge that. And it goes all through history, even to our founding fathers. That's Isn't good. that great? That's very, very nice. I really like that. <laughs> Well, thank you. That was a good book to start it with. <laughs> Absolutely. That's, I think, one of my all-time favorites. <laughs> I, I definitely want to read this one now. I always want to read the books you end up talking about. I mean, you really pick some really nice books, and I think you have another one called Something Special. Can you tell yes, us a little indeed. about that one? This is by David McPhail. Okay. The publisher is Little Brown and Company. Price is twelve ninety-five, and it's for ages 5 to 8. Mm-hmm. And it's not an animal story per se, but it uses an animal family to tell the story. And it's a universal story that probably all of us have faced at one time or another. And it's about Sam. Sam doesn't think he can do anything special. One of his sisters plays piano beautifully. His other sister is a marvelous ball player. And, of course, when Sam tries to do each of those, he doesn't do very well. Because they're not his own. Um, yes. <laughs> so even Sam's parents have talents of their own, and, and Sam just can't see anything special about Sam. But then one day, he's with his mom, and he discovers his unique talent. And it's just a story about how we all have something special about us. We just need to be patient and 
take our time, and it will come to us, and we will find it, just like Sam did. That's an excellent story, and, you know, it's it's so, so true. And, um, you know, I've seen it all with my own children, too, who all have their their different talents. And, and ironically, uh, my son Sam was kind of in that same boat. All of his sisters had, you know, their own thing that they really excelled in, and, and he... Um, he really didn't find his own thing until high school, which is water polo, and, and now he's just so happy and confident, and it's so nice to see that everybody does. It might take a little longer with some people, you know, eventually find the thing that they they truly enjoy in life, and so that's that's a nice lesson and a nice thing to remember. It is, and it's a really important one, I think, for children, because so often they just think that they they're useless and what's the point if they can't be special like their friends or their Mm -hmm. cousins or their siblings and sometimes it just takes time okay and this is all illustrated using an animal family but the animal family acts very human though yes indeed okay which is common in a lot of books and i think kids can sometimes relate more to animals going through experiences yeah i think you're right on that definitely yeah i know i could when i was young (laughs) Animals are better than people in so many ways. <laughs> oh, yes, indeed. <laughs> okay. And the next, my next book is another one that uses animals to illustrate a human universal, and it's called The Dog Princess Fairy Tales. Okay. By various artists, published by HarperCollins. It's sixteen ninety nine, and it's for ages 6 to 9. And most of us, I'm sure, have seen the dog collection. It's those photos of dogs taken from unusual angles, so they've got big eyes or big noses. Oh, yeah. Uh Uh-huh. That started out as uh, actually a line of postcards. I remember that. Mm -hmm. But now, you know, you can get calendars and stuffed animals and coffee mugs and T-shirts and just about everything with these dogs on it. So it was just a matter of time till somebody came out with a book, wasn't it? Absolutely, yeah. These guys are really popular now. Yes. And this is cute. It uses the photos along with illustrations. So you've got photos and then there are there's clothing or accessories drawn on the dogs. Okay. So it, it's a nice style. It's you know it's a little different. Is this mostly then a, a picture book, or are there actual stories that go along with no, it? No, there's an actual story. There are words. Okay. It's the story of a puppy princess who wants a prince, <laughs> okay. and so she asks her fairy dog mother to bring her one. Oh, how funny! And of course, she gets her prince, but she also gets a lesson. And readers will have to look at the book to see just exactly how that plays out. But the uh, lesson there you is go again, I'm keeping those secrets. <laughs> <laughs> Got to keep some stuff. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Can't give away the ending. Yes, but the important thing is friendship is so important. And no matter what happens in life, ups and downs and all arounds, our friends are always there for us. What a great and lesson. Yes. That's why I love these children's books that you always talk about because they always have such wonderful lessons, and and I think they really do have a huge impact on the kids who have a chance to read these. So, listeners, if you have a chance to get these books and and read them with your kids, I just think it's such a wonderful thing. And and I know that the next book you're going to be talking about is one of my favorite uh, pet characters, and and (laughs) let's, let's hear about it, Marianne. Okay. One of mine, too. It's another biscuit book. Biscuit and the dog. <laughs> this one's called Biscuit Loves 
reusable sticker book, and it, like all the biscuit books, is by Alyssa Satin Cappuccilli, mm-hmm. publisher is Harper Festival. It's sixteen ninety nine, and for ages two to six. Okay. And it's it it's unusual in that there's a bunch of stickers in the middle of the book, and they are reusable ones, so you can. Illustrate the story one way one day, pick the stickers up, and illustrate it another on another day. Oh, that's and so nice. it's a it's a very simple story about uh-huh. things that Biscuit loves, and you can use these stickers to put Biscuit in the picture. The Biscuit's family is in most of the pictures, and then you can add readers can add Biscuit. They can add a leash and other things to go with the story. And the cool thing is. It's one of those things that can get young kids, whether they're reading already or not, to start talking about a story. Okay. And so they can use the pictures in the form of the stickers and tell mom and dad or whoever they're sitting with what's going on. Oh, so it's one of those books that really starts generating a love of books in small children. A love of books, a love of creativity, thought, just a whole bunch of stuff. Wow. You know, it really gets kids thinking. And I really like the fact that you can reuse the stickers. I used to get books like that from my kids when they were little. And once you put the stickers down, that's pretty much it, and then the book isn't fun anymore. So this one can continue to be recycled, so that's fabulous. Yeah. Marianne, yep. I hate to say this because I have so much fun talking with you, and the time just goes by so fast. But we are out of time. I need to go to a quick break, but thank you. You are welcome. And Always glad to bring these books to people and hopefully give parents something to something new to think about for their kids, for their young readers and their families. I'm sure they will. So we will be right back here on AM 540 and 1260 on the Pet Place Radio Show. back on the Pet Place Radio Show. I'm Marie Hewlett. And um, before we say goodbye for today, I wanted to let you know about a very sweet therapy dog, a pet therapy dog. This was a dog that visited local children's hospitals in Los Angeles that belongs to Florence Henderson and her daughter, Barbara Chase. Well, very sadly, a few weeks ago, um, actually, uh, I think it's more like about four weeks now, um, the dog went missing, and Florence Henderson and Barbara Chase have been searching high and low to try and find this little lost dog. It's uh, a little um, schnauzer poodle mix. It's got long, curly black hair. It's no more than six pounds. Its name is Apple. It is very sweet. It's very, very friendly, but that's why it's a therapy dog. And they have pretty much exhausted all of their potential searches. They've searched all the animal shelters, all the rescues, all the veterinary hospitals, and they just cannot find it. So if anybody has noticed a little lost black dog, it's probably quite tangly by now if it's been out on its own for this long, um, please contact us at the Pet Place. Our email address is TV at sbcglobal.net. If you found a little dog like that or you've seen it running around in your neighborhood, it was lost in Los Angeles. Now, I'd also like to remind you that if you have a suggested topic or a question about animals that you'd like answered or a guest that you'd like us to interview, remember you can reach me by email 
and that would be again petplacetv at sbcglobal.net. If we don't get to it on the radio, I do answer all questions about animal behavior and problems with pets, and some of them get into my Orange County Register newspaper column, but even if they don't, I answer every email I receive. So if there's something you want to know or hear discussed, don't be shy. Write in. We're here for you. Also, tomorrow morning at 6.30 a.m., our Pet Place television show airs on KDOC, which features beautiful, adoptable pets from Southern California Animal Shelters and Rescues. You won't want to miss that. So if it's too early for you, set your VCRs or DVDs or your DVRs and uh, give it a little watch. It's lots of fun. Many thanks, as always, go out to Ralph's Pet Club and KGIL for for helping us continue the mission of the Pet Place, which is to help find homes for every homeless pet and to bring valuable information to pet owners. Please don't forget, be responsible with your pets. Love them, make them truly part of your family in every way, and have them spayed or neutered. We'll be back again next Saturday here on AM 540 and 1260 on the Pet Place Radio Show. Have a wonderful weekend.